everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. I am Taylor Rockwell, hosting once again. Daryl Grove, still in Boston. We'll be back uh, tomorrow, Friday, to, uh, I think, do some Richmond Kickers Weekly. Maybe we'll put out a TSS episode as well. Uh, but until then, uh, this is going to be part two of my conversation with Matt Herman of the Talking Foosball podcast. Uh, part one was available yesterday. If you have not yet listened, you should go back and do that. Uh, we talked about kind of like the, the top teams, the teams most likely to challenge for the title, as well as the teams who were recently promoted. There was some Tyler Adams chat in that one uh, in part two, which you're obviously about to hear. (laughs) I guess I probably didn't need to clarify that, but whatever. I'm fine with it. Um, In this one, we talk a bit more about uh, Americans in the Bundesliga. We talk about some of the kind of mid-tier teams that maybe could be making top four, maybe make a push even higher than that, but uh, most likely challenging for the Europa League spots. Um, Lots of other content as well. Uh, As I said yesterday, but I will reiterate today, Matt is a genuine delight to talk to because he's able to talk so freely with such like specific knowledge about teams and players and managers and all that good stuff. We do, I should add, uh, have a couple different conversations or explainers, I should say, about a few managers and sort of their preferred style or tactics or their approach to management. And I think that also very useful in uh, helping me at least feel very informed for the coming Bundesliga season. So I hope you enjoy enjoy this as much as I enjoyed uh, recording it. And with that, I'll turn it over to me and Matt for part two. Well, I I want to talk about uh, some other top-tier teams, but I think since we're here talking about the bottom of the table uh, and where teams may end up finishing, we should probably talk about Schalke, who did finish 14th last season, obviously a very disappointing season. Um, Is it possible to give an abbreviated explanation for what you think went wrong there, or is it easier just to say pretty much everything? Oof, I I think pretty much everything hits the nail on the head. Um, That's fine. Basically, I just think that the year that they had, the, the very good year that they had year before last, um, was pretty lucky, really. I mean, they they sort of had pretty similar personnel and played in a fairly similar way. They just were sort of punching a bit up above their weight. Things were going very much their way in a lot of close games. That you know, in in last year, the the games that were draws and losses. The year before that were wins. Um, I feel like Schalke just – it seemed to me like they were doing everything they could to sort of figure out ways to press teams and to sort of you know, defend really compactly. But once they had the ball, they didn't know at all what to do with it. They didn't have players who had very much ambition to do anything with it or maybe they weren't given the freedom to do anything with it. It was just sort of – a team that that wasn't on the road to anywhere when you would watch them play. It seemed like they didn't know which direction the goal was. I, I completely agree because I watched uh, plenty of Schalke and that was more than enough. Um, yeah. But it's it's a – it's a strange thing, though, because I still think of Schalke as this big club who we see in the Champions League. As you said, it's where Manuel, Manuel Neuer came from, and I just have this sort of idea of them. And so I think with that in mind, I just have this expectation, like, oh, they're just going to bounce back. They'll probably challenge for, like, top seven. They'll be in the Europa League conversation. And then when you read more about them, if anything, it feels like, no, those problems from last season weren't just an outlier. It seems like maybe there's a lot more work to be done. And so I guess that makes me wonder, do you think we're, we're going to see Schalke – Probably not like 14th again, but do you think we're going to see them more in the like middle of the pack as David Wagner and co. build towards a stronger future? Or do you think we may see them bounce back pretty quickly? Um, I, I would probably lean more towards the uh, the former. I think that they 
just when it comes to sort of um, getting their squad back into a, a, a sort of halfway smart <laughs> order, it's mm-hmm. going to take you know a year or two, as well as figuring out you know David Wagner figuring out like how to use this squad and or where he is going to be sort of you know asking for some input about where they can get some better players. You know, I just I'm looking at their at their squad and like I like a couple of the things that yeah. they did. I mean, I think, you know, I think uh Ozan Kabak is a really interesting and and good pickup and I think it was actually a big coup for them to be able to get that player. I mean, he was sort of you know this gem that was attracted to to Stuttgart for the second half of last season that that Stuttgart were very lucky to get and then they promptly got relegated and everyone figured he was going to be off to a much bigger club maybe even a Bayern or something like that and the fact that he chose to go to a club where he knew he was going to be first choice instead of of, of a bigger club I think is speaks a lot to his character and where he sees himself as far as his career I mean he's 19 so it's better to play be playing games than to be watching stars play i mean i think benito raman who was really one of the best players for fortuna dusseldorf uh last year is going to be a really nice pickup and i think is going to be a pretty big improvement for them as a you know a, a really fast and creative winger but other than that i just look at this group and it's mostly the same guys who didn't get it done last season and so, not to beat a dead horse with that, but like I was checking Schalke's stats. Uh, I believe they scored the fewest goals of any team that was not relegated. I'm assuming mm-hmm. Raman is brought in to hopefully rectify some of that. Kabak, obviously a center back, less so. Where do you think the goals will come from? Do you think it requires uh, additional investment and new players coming in? Or do you think David Wagner is kind of going to go with what he's got right now and see if he can make something work? Um, I, I reckon that he's he wants to sort of go with what he's got right now and see if he can make it work. I mean, this this I think Schalke. I mean, you, you sort of brought it up before. This is a really big club, and a club that sort of sees itself naturally as as being fighting for Europe, if not participating in European competitions. And and when you look at it just in terms of finances and number of members and fans, this is the third biggest club in Germany. Um, but they've gotten themselves in such in such a bad uh, situation. I mean, this is a club that's always playing with fire financially. It seems they sort of, you know, spend a lot of money and they let a lot of players go on free transfers or sell them for much less than they bought them for, like Brielle Embolo this summer. And they just don't seem to make a lot of smart um, moves with money. So I, I don't know that the money is going to be there for for David Wagner. And in some ways, his calling card over the last several years at Huddersfield has been sort of making a, a, a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Yeah, making and, Aaron Moy seem like a world-class midfielder. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there's definitely uh, a squad that he's inheriting at Schalke, which I would assume is probably marginally better than, than what he had at Huddersfield, but not worlds better. So I, I think, um, I think he can probably, keep them up with this with this squad and if if he gets some luck he could maybe get them to maybe the fringes of Europa League places but I, I'm expecting them to be a, a mid-table side and uh, Wagner himself uh, I think had at least one maybe two seasons with Schalke as a player but then uh, managed Dortmund too has that connection to Dortmund what's been the reaction to fans do they care about that connection with Dortmund or is it more of like we just want a manager who will make things happen so we're fine with it 
Um, I, I think they, I think people are generally cool with it. I think um, they, I don't know. I mean, Schalke fans were really burned uh, last season because they, a lot of them really liked Domenico Tedesco. Mm-hmm. Not only in the fact that he he led them to a second place finish uh, two seasons ago, but they liked the way that he addressed them. He often went to you know the 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 fan curve after a game and sort of communed with the fans and they liked the way he conducted himself in training and in press conferences and they 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 really wanted that to work so i feel like Schalke fans are just starved for anything good right now <laughs> i mean they, yeah their preseason just has really gotten sort of gummed up in, in another issue that i'm not sure has sort of penetrated that far outside of germany but there's been sort of a a scandal about the chairman of that club making some pretty offensive comments at a at a public event. No, that, I, I haven't heard about that. Uh, yeah, their their chairman Clements Tony's um, was at this event, this sort of like trade fair type event for manufacturers and and you know hand workers or whatever. Um, where for some strange reason he started talking about um, you know African development. Oh God. And he said, you know, if, 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 if I were in charge, I would build 20 power plants in Africa every year so they would stop cutting down trees and making babies when it gets dark. And like Oof. it was – it was, you know – I mean with that kind of language, he could be a, a Fox soccer commentator. But uh... <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, maybe he should take over Real Salt Lake. Um, <laughs> Or no, wait. Then he'd have to fire Mike Peck, <laughs> exactly. and he wouldn't do it, and you know. Yeah, it'd be a whole thing. Um, yeah. No. Um, wow. All right. So I imagine that didn't go over well with with uh, some Schalke players. Well yeah, it didn't go over well at all. A, a couple of very prominent, um, you know, former Schalke players with African roots, you know, Hans Sarpai and uh, Gerald Asamoah, you know, were really, really strongly condemned this, um, and and you know. It became this sort of weird tug of war between people who, in my view, were looking at this completely justifiably and clearly and thinking like that's 100 percent unacceptable. That's you know a joke that someone would not only say something like that in, in, in 2019 but think that this was a way of you know ingratiating himself with a group of, of you know – I don't know, business people at a conference that, that this was like a, a, a cool thing to say. Um, this It's just moronic. But all these former, you know, coaches and, and um, functionaries sort of came out of the woodwork to say like, oh, he's a good guy. He's, he's not, not like, that type uh, of guy? Not that type of guy. Of he, he treats people exactly the same, whether they're, you know, white, black or purple. He, he has a black friend, Matt. I don't know what you want. I, I think he's got quite a few. <laughs> Wow. Maybe not more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say um, not anymore. But his it's been a real, real drag on their, their preseason. I mean, they sort of wanted to concentrate on this yeah. new new look Schalke and it has, has definitely split their um their support. I mean the, the first meaningful game of the season they had, their their DFB Pokal game, um their entire fan block um, you know, had signs made that said, you know, red card for Tunis. And they were basically calling for him to step down uh, because what happened is instead of him stepping down or getting fired by the, the honorary board who would have had the power to do that, but 
he went to this meeting of this honorary board and suggested to them, you know, I, I could I could just like take a break for three months. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure. That sounds good. And it just sort of meant that this entire situation, instead of making a clean break, I mean, this guy is he's a billionaire. He's a, you know, a, a meatpacking mogul, has been supporting the club financially for the better part of 20 years. So he is a, an important guy at the club. But like, he shouldn't be bigger than the club. And the fact that this club can't seem to sort of see that and see that, you know, these questions are just going to be raised in three months time when he comes back, they're going to be raised for the remainder of his tenure at the club. Anytime he is speaking to the press, which he loves to do, he's very close with a lot of the, you know, tabloid newspapers and those, those elements came to his defense. So it's, it's really sad because this is a, a club that needs uh, some good press and yeah. needs some good things to happen. And they just messed the entire thing up. Plus, like in Germany, don't you get like three months of paid vacation anyway? So isn't he basically just taking what he would already get? <laughs> oh, yeah, more or less. Yeah. All right. It's cool, though. Two weeks, two weeks paid vacation. We're doing great over here. Anyway, uh, I, before we move on from Schalke, uh, I did want to ask the, the question that obviously like most American fans will want to know. What do you think the future, or at least not the future, but this season holds for Weston McKinney? What role do you think he plays for this Schalke team? Um, that's super hard to know. Um, I, everybody knows he's sort of been shunted all over the, the, the pitch in sort of – the last year and a half at, at Schalke and he needs to find a, a role. He's, he's expressed a desire to, to, to be a, you know, a six or a, a holding midfielder. As far as I could tell from the substitution pattern at the, uh, the, the cup game uh, earlier this week, he was brought on for um, Steven Skripsky. He was playing sort of left wing forward. I, I, I didn't see the game, so I can't, tell whether that was that sort of necessitated a, a change in shape and, and putting McKinney somewhere else or whether he was just playing left wing. Um, I really don't know. I mean, this is another situation where when you get a new coach in, you have to sort of, um, you know, show him what you can do. And then he figures out what he wants to do with you. Uh, Wagner made lots of nice positive comments about um, Weston McKinney this summer. He said, you know, he had a great gold cup. He was sorry to see him not, not, not get a win in the final, et cetera. But like, I don't know exactly what, what um, Wagner thinks of, of McKinney and what his position is. It's time will tell, I guess. Hey folks, this is Taylor jumping in for just one second. Please don't fast forward because the advertisers know you're doing that. Uh, and with that in mind, I wanted to talk about today's sponsor, Dollar Shave Club. Uh, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to make shaving a breeze. Uh, they've got stuff to prepare your skin. They've got stuff to lather on and then shave off. And then they've got stuff for after you've shaved. They also have uh, shower products, tooth care products, all that good stuff. But I want to talk for a moment about the shaving process because I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most about having Dollar Shave Club as a sponsor is that it sort of slows down the shaving process for me in the best possible way. That I think normally when I would shave, I would do it really quickly, as fast as I could. I've got 10 minutes, I'm just going to do it. And I think because Dollar Shave Club has such nice products, they've got the shave butter, the prep scrub, the post-shave dew, uh, all of those different products, many, many more that I haven't even listed there, it sort of becomes a like, what does this one do? I want to try that one now. And I want to like slow it down and see how well it shaves or doesn't shave. And I, I like 
like that it becomes a more like experimental learning process. And as a result, it's a bit of mindfulness, I guess I should say, because it then sort of makes you slow down and really look at what you're doing. Maybe you don't make as many mistakes. Maybe you don't nick yourself or have some of those issues you might otherwise have. And I do think that that's a thing that Dollar Shave Club has allowed for. Um, so if you want to check out, check them out, see what they have on offer, their ultimate starter sets have basically everything you need for an amazing shower, a close shave, or clean teeth. The best part is you can try each one for just $5 right now. Uh, after that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. So get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. Thank you very much to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to Matt Herman. Uh, and for those who don't know or like are new to Bundesliga or what have you, uh, David Wagner, uh, bor- born in Germany, uh, but did rep or West Germany, I should say, did represent the United States uh, eight, nine times, something like that. Um, my, yeah. like, do you think like David Wagner? <laughs> I don't know how to say this like without sounding uh, indelicate, but like, do you think he cares at all about the U.S. national team, or was that a thing that, like, maybe it was just like, oh, he had this opportunity, he wanted to play international soccer, so he went and did it. I guess I'm wondering because of that connection to Weston McKinney, like, do you think he feels any sort of like responsibility to help Weston McKinney be a better player for the national team that he did play for? Uh, I would doubt it. I mean, I think that um, he. Did. You know, Wagner self-identifies as German. I mean, he's 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 aware that people, in some cases, yeah, perceive he's David him Wagner, as a, not Wagner. There you go. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and he's he spent pretty much his entire life uh, in in Germany, other than his few years in England. You know, coaching at, at Huddersfield. So, I mean, he's he's as German as they come. I mean, he has American relatives. He did represent the U.S. He's been to the U.S. many times, but like he definitely self-identifies as German. Um, I certainly think that he probably has a soft spot for the U.S. men's national team. He would like to see them do well. But, like, if it ever came to, like, you know, he's not going to call up, you know, Nick Tidegu into the first team just because he wants to, like, give him some reps and get him ready for the U.S. I mean, he's he's going to do whatever he thinks is best for uh, for Schalke and, and winning games. I mean, that feels selfish to me, frankly. Exactly. Uh, We'll stick with some Americans then uh, while we're on the topic. Uh, Moving to Werder Bremen, uh, Max Krusa left for uh, Fenerbahce, Aaron Johansson, who was not a very central figure for them recently, uh, is gone as well. They brought in Nicholas uh, Fulkrug, who I'm sure I've mispronounced from Hanover. They still have Claudio uh, Claudio Pizarro in his final season. All of that said, it feels like the stage is set for Josh Sargent to sort of take over and become that sort of like central striker, the main goal scorer for them. Uh, but then it seems like he hasn't performed as well as maybe we would have liked in the preseason. So what are your expectations for Sargent and Werder Bremen this year? Um, I think Bremen are actually going to be quite a good team this year. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, qualify for Europe. I mean, more likely Europa League than, than uh, hmm. Champions League football. But I think that they're going to be quite a good team. I mean, Max Cruz is a super, super special player, um, and and you know, there's. I'm actually shocked that he ended up in Turkey. I mean, no offense, I know for, you're for you have free, a bit of a, for free, no less. <laughs> I well, know, no, isn't that crazy? But all I can figure is that. Uh, t- sorry to interrupt, but all I can figure because I was pondering this as well is Fenner had a really bad season last year, and I'm wondering if they just threw all the money at him to try to make some sort of an impact. That's the only thing I can figure because other than that, maybe he just wanted to spend some time in Istanbul on the Asian side. I don't know. I don't really get it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually not the side you want to be on. No, it's really not. Um, <laughs> it's weird. I, I I agree that this has got to be a, a financial decision. I mean, 
certainly there's been plenty of players, Bundesliga players, who have who've gone for a stint in, in Turkey, sometimes pretty successfully as well. Ribery um, comes to mind. There you go. Yeah, well, it wasn't, wasn't the best time there. Um, <laughs> it was a time. A time was had. Yeah, but Podolsky, Podolsky was good for Galatasaray. Ah, yeah, that's and, probably a better shout. Fabian Ernst had a good time at Besiktas. Um, huh. I mean, he, it's weird because he did spend all last season speaking to his desire to play uh, in, in a team that, that was in you know the Europa League or the mm-hmm. Champions League, which I – if I'm not mistaken, Fenerbahce are not. Yeah, they're definitely not this season. Which, you know, means that I think a lot of money probably convinced him that yeah. that was the best the best move for him. I don't know. He, he's a weird player. I mean, he's he's been really good at times for a lot of different teams in the Bundesliga, but never really got much of a look for Germany. I mean, he was, I don't know, maybe, maybe like a, maybe he's not quite on this level, but like, you know, you, you look back and you're like, why, why did Cantona never really play much for France? Or why did Letizia never play much for England? Like, Cruz is going to be one of those people who people look back at, at his stats and look back at some of his highlights and be like, wow, this guy was great. And he couldn't even look get a look for Germany. I mean, eh, leaving all that aside, like, I actually think that Werder figured out ways to, you know, be an okay side without him last season i mean he, he he did score a lot of goals and set up a lot of goals as well but i feel like at various times in the season they 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 learned that they can play through other other players and i think the biggest sort of thing that their season is going to hinge on um uh, in this season coming up is is mila Rashica. he's sort of a withdrawn striker guy who sometimes plays uh wide because he likes to sort of have a little bit of space but it's basically a question of who's going to play alongside him in, in the attack. I think Yuyo Osako um, is being sort of mooted as the guy who's going to play in the space that uh, that uh, Cruz left behind. He's really not on his level, but we'll see how that goes. And, you know, Josh Sargent is going to be in the mix. I think between him and Nicholas Fulkrug and uh, Johannes Eggestein, I mean, the other Eggestein brother, Maxi Eggestein, is already sort of a first-choice midfielder. His 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 brother, the forward, uh, who's of similar age to Sargent, um, is sort of alongside our our young American hope. One of the people who's sort of hoping to get minutes, and I think it's just gonna it's gonna be a little bit in the first few weeks of the season before it sorts things out as to as to who's first choice, who's going to sort of actually be playing uh, more. And and I really want it to be Josh Sargent, but after that really nice first couple of games mm-hmm. for Werder, he did go pretty cold. And you know, I hope I hope the full summer of preparation of you know not playing for either you know yeah. the, the the youth national team or the full national team has gotten him sort of planted in Coach Florian Kofeld's mind a little bit more. Um, he did start in in the cup game. He got taken off after about an hour after not having done a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that he got the start, probably a good thing. So it's more of a like, like we'll look at it five or six weeks in and see what sort of minutes he's getting. And maybe that's when we should start to be concerned if we don't see him getting at least some like substitute minutes in like week five or six. Yeah, I mean, I would be very surprised if he was not a regular player, uh, either as a starter or a, or a substitute this season. I mean... Sort of removing Cruza from the equation, just 
gives a little bit more wiggle room for everybody in the sort of attacking um, area of, of the team. And I feel like he'll, he's going to get his chance. But I think if he doesn't get a couple of goals within the first um, first few games of the season, I think his chances to start uh, might not be that great. Um, while we're talking about things we think, I have a feeling that this episode may end up being a, a two-parter. <laughs> if you're listening to this <laughs> and it's part two, then that's why. Um, is, uh, Matt, how are you doing for time? Because I know I've kept you uh, on the line for a while. Have you got time for a few more questions? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Beautiful. All right. Well, then we'll we'll move to Fortuna Dusseldorf. Uh, finished 10th last season, conceded a lot of goals. The two burning questions for me, sticking with the, the uh, American like tint here, uh, do you think Zach Steffen – is their starter either like on the first day or by the end of the season? And if he is, how busy is he going to be between the posts? Um, I think he is their starter at the moment. Um, it was definitely sort of a, a, an open question for a while, but um, his competition for that, the sort of, you know, who would have been the continuing um, number one, Michael Michael Rensing, um, hurt himself in the precinct. He, he fell off a bike during uh, some uh, sort of, you know, they, they did a training camp down in Austria and he fell off a bike and hurt his shoulder. So, you know, right. this is actually really unfortunate for him, but a really good timing for uh, Zach Steffen. I think it's there for the taking. I think Michel Rensing is, you know, somebody who, you know, he's bounced around a lot in Germany. He, you know, came up at Bayern. He's played for Cologne and Leverkusen and, you know, Dusseldorf. And he's always sort of had the same profile. I mean, he's he's older than he, he, he was, of course, but he, so he's not quite as, as, you know, spry. But he's a great shot stopper. Doesn't really bring a lot else to the table. Is not like, you know, all that wonderful with his feet. And he's, you know, the, the word on him is that he's a bit suspect. Um... And when it comes to sort of like, you know, commanding the area on, on set pieces and such. So I feel like now that Zach Steffen is going to get at least, I don't know, probably two or three games as, as the number one while, while rinsing heals, if he can have a good start, I think he will probably end up as, as their starter. And I think that that's probably going to be a pretty tough job because um, Dusseldorf, you know, they're a they're they're a nice club and they're a club that sort of um, is is run by a guy or the, you know the sporting director is a guy who sort of has a cool backstory. He's the you know uh, Lutz Fanenstiel, the guy who played on all seven continents. He you know purposely at the end of his career went to play with a team in Antarctica just to be able to say that. <laughs> um, but he's you know he's been all over the world and he has an extremely big you know uh, scouting Rolodex. I mean. Uh, he he was on a, a show that I used to host for for Deutsche Welle a couple of times, and he was a super good time to talk to. And you know, he 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 watched MLS. I was talking to him about American players and what he he thought of guys coming through. And I'm pretty certain he was familiar with Zach Steffen, um, and and was sort of looking at this as an opportunity to get a, a goalkeeper that otherwise would not have been necessarily in the sort of quality slash price range for a club like like uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf and I would not be surprised at all for for him to take over as their number one and truthfully I would love for him to stay because you know he's never going to play for City no nope. All right. So if if he does become the number one, if he does maybe stay, do you think Zach Steffen is like the American in the Bundesliga who's most 
primed to have like a strong season. If you're looking at the like maybe other candidates would be Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Josh Sargent. We've talked about John Brooks. We haven't mentioned Fabian Johnson. There are other other U.S. Uh, players in there. Who would you say is the one that maybe you would expect to have the best season? Not even necessarily like finishing like furthest up the table, but just sort of overall gets the most minutes, does enough to sort of move their reputation up a little bit. Um. Hmm. Is it Bobby fact, Wood? It's Bobby Wood, isn't it? <laughs> it's definitely Bobby Wood in the the Zweite Bundesliga Benchwarmers Club. Oh. Um, I still think it's Tyler Adams, really. I mean, what he showed uh, at the sort of back half of last season, the way that he sort of absolutely seamlessly fit into that RB Leipzig side, and and really became one of their better players over the course of I don't know, it was like a month and a half. I mean, he's he was a, looked like a really, really special player in, in terms of, of what he brought as a guy who's still developing, coming from a, a you know what is in, in a global sense a pretty weak league to a pretty strong league. It just didn't even look like a leap for him. Um, you know, I mentioned before that that tactical considerations and, and earning the trust of a new coach may um, stand in the way of that, and as well as the injury that he's he's still sort of getting over, but. You know, Julian Nagelsmann's history, he loves young players that he can sort of develop. I mean, there's been so many guys who have either come out of Hoffenheim's youth system or who Hoffenheim would buy off of other teams before they had really been fully baked. And Julian Nagelsmann sort of made them into much better players. And I, I think it's going to be a great combination. I think that as long as this this groin thing that he's dealing with doesn't become some sort of nagging thing that haunts him all season, I think Tyler Adams is going to become like the guy when it comes to the American guy in the Bundesliga. All right. So uh, as you said previously, like uh, speaking of Tyler Adams, speaking of uh, RB Leipzig, we would expect them to be maybe one of the top three-ish teams in there. That leaves us to talk about, uh, with our time remaining, a few of these sort of like best of the rest almost. I would say that category includes uh, teams like Bayer Leverkusen, Gladbach, uh, Wolfsburg, Eintracht Frankfurt. I wanted to start with Leverkusen, if you don't mind, because... Like, they're a team that I know of. I, I put them in, in, like, a category with a few, like, the players and managers we've talked about of sort of they're the biggest team in Germany that I know very little about. And if there are people out there like me, how would you describe Leverkusen's style and, like, kind of what to expect from them this season, uh, especially having lost Julian Brandt? Well, I mean, at present, the thing that's sort of their, you know, I don't know, like trademark is is the the type of football that uh, Peter Bosch likes playing. Their coach presently is you know a guy who sort of loves to play a, a really really up tempo high line um, attacking game, which you know worked for him very well at Ajax, worked for him significantly less well at Borussia Dortmund, but you know by the time Leverkusen got in gear last season things were going well and he you know led them into the champions league um you know julian brandt is probably you know a top i don't know 10 20 player in the bundesliga at the very least so losing him sucks but they they actually bought quite well i mean i think that um you know getting those two guys from hoffenheim nadim amiri and um karim demirbay will, will certainly be uh really useful players who can sort of bring something of what um, Julian Brandt brought to the table. And, you know, when you just look at their sort of overall squad depth and quality, they're after Bayern Dortmund and probably Leipzig, 
they're really, really good. They still have, you know, Kai Havertz and Leon Bailey, guys who I fully assume at some point in their career are going to be sold for, Mm -hmm. you know, something like 80 or 100 million euros. I mean, these are, you know, huge players. So I don't know. They're they're going to play a really fun style, and at some points during the season, they're probably going to, you know, take a few games on the chin because you know there are teams who can take advantage of of, of that style of, of of football. But I expect them to have a good season. Hey, everybody, Taylor jumping in one last time to let you know about today's sponsor, Manscaped, the number one men's below-the-belt grooming company. It's a very grooming-centric podcast we've got going on today. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Uh, I'm recording this in mid-August. It is very hot outside. Um, and it's worth remembering that, like, similar to, like, if you cut your hair a little bit shorter in the summer, maybe it's a little bit cooler, uh, the, the same applies uh, downstairs. That maybe if you've got a lot of stuff going on, uh, maybe you trim it down, you make it a little bit more manageable, maybe it's just a little bit more pleasant uh, d- down in the nether region. They've also got the Crop Preserver, which is uh, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. Again, it helps you sort of feel fresh, is the best way I can put that, uh, when it is hot outside. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting it on the smelliest part of your body? Very, very good point from our friends over at Manscaped. Another very good point is that you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code TSS at manscaped.com. That allows you to get, say, the Lawnmower 2.0, which has proprietary skin-safe technology so the trimmer doesn't nick or snag. Uh, As I said, you've got the Crop Preserver. You've got the Plow, which is the actual razor if you want the even closer uh, shave down there. Riskier, but potentially more rewarding. Who knows? Uh, So you can try all those products and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TSS at manscaped.com. Remember, always use the right tools for the job or else there could be problems. Uh, So thank you to Manscaped again for sponsoring today's episode. And now back one more time to Matt Herman. And similar question uh, about Gladbach. Uh, you mentioned uh, way long ago in the show about new manager uh, Marco. Is it Rosa? Is that is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Rosa. Um, uh, coming in from RB Salzburg, uh, he played under Jurgen Klopp, I think, at Mainz. Do you think like like should we expect Jurgen Klopp's style to have rubbed off on uh, Rosa, or is it a little bit different? Uh kind of. I mean, I, I think that you know there is a certain. Um, there is a certain commonality when it comes to the the, the sort of um, RB style of, of of football and and Klopp style of football, which you know is a lot to do with with um, counter pressing and, and transitional play. Um, and I think that uh, that's something that there's you're you're seeing all over the league, not just in 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 Leipzig, but you know there's there's other coaches who sort of come out of that tradition. Um, it could be a while before Gladbach get there because they had a much more sort of patient build-up kind of um, style under under Dieter Hecking, and I, I think that um, just getting their personnel up to speed on on just how much speed they need to be bringing to the table to play Marco Rosa's uh, favored favored style uh, may take a little time, but. They've got a lot of great, great players as well, and I think they've picked up some good players too. I mean, I think, I think Braille Embolo, who, who they bought from Schalke for you know half as much as Schalke paid for him, I think they paid thirteen million or something like that for him, um, could be a very interesting player um, for them coming up because he he will bring a lot of that speed to the table that they that they really need. And um, 
I think that they might actually uh, sneak into the Champions League places this summer if that um, you know move to a new style doesn't completely mess them up. All right. And, and Rosa, coming from Salzburg, I believe, has at least some Champions League experience, but also coming from the Austrian Bundesliga, uh, like this is another weird sort of like theory I'm working on. I'm curious to hear what you think of it. Like in, in reading about a, what a lot of these teams have done and some of the players that have been brought in, it almost feels as though like the Austrian Bundesliga is essentially like Bundesliga 2 also. That like it's it's another place where sort of teams can go look for value, um, and I can't tell if that's the case or if it's basically just that clubs want to buy players from RB Salzburg or maybe the coach from RB Salzburg, and so that's where they go to look for talent. But I feel like I see a lot of players moving from the Bundes- Austrian Bundesliga to the German Bundesliga. Yeah, I I would actually say that that there is a certain degree of wariness when it comes to players um, from the Austrian Bundesliga outside of of, of RB players um because there's definitely been times where you know there's been players who have torn it up at you know austria Wien or rapid Wien or you know whichever club in in, in austria and and people think that maybe they'll they'll make a move to germany but nobody wants to buy them because they think that you know it's just it's like it's a bit like the the relationship between like the eredivisie and the, the premier league okay. where like There'll be guys who score 30 goals in the Eredivisie, and then they show up in the Premier League, and they can barely, you know, score at all. Um, I would say, in some ways, the Swiss league is actually much more well thought of in Germany than than uh, the the Austrian league. And I would also add that that you know, German teams tend to to, to buy a lot more players from Switzerland and also. Uh, Holland than they do from from Austria, but that might change. I mean, now that RB has has you know done so well at Salzburg, and and now we have a an Austrian coach um, Oliver Glasner uh, who came from from Linz from from Lask uh, to Wolfsburg. Maybe there'll be more um, more sort of I don't know things more more commerce because really a lot of a lot of young Austrian players end up coming to Germany before they even get to be senior players. I mean, some, some of these guys who play for either, you know, Leipzig or Leverkusen or, or, um, you know, Augsburg, they, they just went straight to Germany as youth players. But but you feel like, so maybe Salzburg though, are sort of the one team that people do sort of trust when it comes to the Austrian Bundesliga? For sure. For sure. Lots of players, I mean, have, have come through there, not just to, to, uh, Leipzig, but I mean, you know, Valentino Lazaro, who was very good for Hertha for two or three years, was bought directly from from Salzburg. There's there's been quite a few. Well, so that makes me sort of optimistic again from a U.S. perspective because uh, with Rosa leaving, uh, now we have Jesse Marsh in charge. Do you think there's a chance that if uh, uh, Salzburg have another strong season, uh, Jesse Marsh maybe he gets some looks from some Bundesliga clubs if they're in need of a new manager? Probably not this For season, sure. but maybe next year. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think the connections that he has made with people in the RB. Um, set up both in in you know New York, Leipzig, Salzburg. That's a very important nexus to sort of be a part of. And the fact that there's a lot of other coaches and a lot of other sporting directors who have some kind of connection to the whole RB thing, they will be watching him very closely. And I think that you know if he can you know have a big year for them or maybe a big couple of years. I think he can definitely get a bigger job. I think he'd get a job at a, a sort of, you know, mid to lower tier Bundesliga club, or you know, maybe even a big Bundesliga club. Maybe even even at Leipzig, if if the timing is right. 
Uh, and final question, I think, for you. Uh, a few clubs we haven't mentioned. Some we will end up not talking about, like Freiburg. Sorry, Freiburg. Uh, but uh, of like the three kind of like mid-tier teams that we haven't yet uh, discussed, Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, and Hoffenheim, who do you think has the maybe the best season of those three? And are any of them likely to sort of, for lack of a better way of putting it, like do a Schalke and fall off? Because Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, a little bit raided this summer by bigger teams. They, uh, they got a lot of money coming in. They haven't necessarily reinvested a lot of that money. Wolfsburg always feel like they're about to like be that next like top tier, top four team, and they end up maybe not finishing there. So of those three, who do you think is most likely to do well? Who do you think has the roughest season? Um, I think Wolfsburg are probably best set up to succeed this season. I mean, they were, you know, all in all, they were really very good last year. I mean, they, I, I wouldn't say that they were unlucky not to finish uh, higher than they did, but there were definitely times where it looked like they were capable of a little bit more. Um, and for the most part, they were able to keep that team intact as well as um, add some interesting players. Um, getting a coach from Austria, it's not really a dumb thing in in Germany. I mean, you do it occasionally. I mean, guys like Peter Stöger have made the leap directly from from Austria uh, to to some success. Although he, I guess he was he went to a second division Bundesliga club at the time that he he went over. Um, it's hard to tell exactly what's going to go on there, but as far as it looks, I mean, the style that this Oliver Glasner guy likes to play, he likes to play a three four three with you know a, a, a pretty um, I don't know a pretty big emphasis on on overlapping wingbacks and it just so happens that you know <laughs> Wolfsburg's wingbacks are really good um as well as you know getting the ball to a, a sort of a target striker pretty quickly and Wolfsburg's target striker in Wout Weghorst is you know one of the best in the league so I think that uh Wolfsburg could have a really really nice season I mean if things go really well they could finish you know up in, in the European places, but I, I expect them to be a top half club for sure. Frankfurt, you know, selling probably your two sort of most productive forwards is not a great way to, to prepare for a new season. I mean, they sold both, you know, uh, it's my expert analysis yoga. there, Matt. <laughs> exactly, but you know, it, it, you can get a lot of money when you sell, you know, Jovic and Aller. I mean, they basically they don't want to necessarily spend all their money in one place. They don't want to go on an immediate shopping spree where everybody sees them coming. But um, I don't know. They made a good eighty some million euros out of that. Those those deals. I think they um, they have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to the next few transfer windows, even if things don't go very nicely for them. And, you know, I underestimated them badly last season. I, I thought they were going to really struggle because I didn't know, um, I didn't know what to make of, uh, Adi Hütte, <laughs> another Austrian coach who had been coaching in Switzerland. Um, <laughs> But it turned out that he had really uh, interesting plans for the team, and, and he made them into a much better team than, than Niko Kovac had, had left behind. So I'm lukewarm on, on Eintracht. I think that they will not have any trouble um, you know, staying in the league or anything like that. Hoffenheim, I'm a little less optimistic about. I mean, it has a lot to do with, with the losses. They were basically decimated in, you know, defense midfield and up front they just sold so many important players they got rid of their or you know lost their very sort of talismanic coach and 
I don't know exactly what kind of um, what kind of soccer um, Alfred Schroeder wants to be playing, uh, or whether it's going to be well suited to to the team. I think that. I mean, he's Dutch, and he, you know, worked at Ajax for a while, as well as being an uh, being a assistant at Hoffenheim in years past. So it's not going to be too different in that it's, you know, it'll probably be soccer that you know wants to play with the ball as opposed to without it and control space. But you know, I don't think the quality is is there as much this year um, as in past years. I, I I think that they could take a pretty big big drop. I mean. They didn't finish well last season. They, I guess they finished in eighth or ninth. I wouldn't be surprised to see them finish, you know, 11th or 12th this season. All right. Well, with all that said, I'm going to consider the Bundesliga previewed. Uh, and therefore, my final question for you, Matt, is what are your plans for the Bundesliga season? Uh, what's your coverage going to look like? What are you all going to be doing uh, at Talking Football? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Talking Football is basically sort of a, a, a two-part proposition. I mean, the show that I am the host of uh, is, is a weekly show that sort of reviews match day action. I mean, we don't go through every single game or anything like that, but we try and sort of get the main storylines from each match day. And that, that's a show that sort of comes out early in the week. And then later in the week, uh, we have a show that's um, based around Bundesliga fantasy. And I, I, you know, I know that Bundesliga fantasy game is, you know, not something that everybody feels like they are sort of on top of. Uh, whether they're a Bundesliga fan or not, but it's a really, really amazing show for people who are into uh, Bundesliga fantasy, and and it's actually such a good show and and so like comprehensive that I am starting a uh, a Bundesliga fantasy team this year after you know two or three years of sitting out because uh, I think that talking football fantasy, which you know comes out later in the week, sort of previews each match day, um, is just a really great way to, to to keep up with you know who's in form, who is likely to start, who isn't likely to start. It's you know even leaving fantasy issues aside, it's it's an awesome way to sort of know what's about to happen in uh, each each match day. So you know we're trying to. We're trying to cover as many bases as we can. We also throw up some content on Patreon from time to time. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope some, some TSS folks will come and see us sometime. I, I hope so as well. I'll also add, I am not a fantasy person myself. I've, I always am that one who, like, I'm going to do it this year. And then three weeks in, I consistently forget to set a lineup. Uh, but I, I feel like Bundesliga fantasy does appeal. I'm not going to lie. Because I feel like you can find the value in there and there's lesser known players. And, and because of sort of like the smaller clubs buying lots of players, like 10 million, I think you could find some value in there. I'm, I'm kind of in on Bundesliga fantasy now, Matt. Yeah, I, I invite you. There's a there's a talking foosball league. You should All get right. in one. I may have to do that. But for now, I will just say, Matt, thank you very much for being so generous with your time, for helping me make sense of German pronunciation and the historical connection of clubs and also what the future holds for a lot of these teams. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Nice. It's always a pleasure. 